0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Anita Marks with you on this Monday night. How about that? Welcome in. 98.7 ESPN. Uh, A lot going on tonight with you for the next three hours. I will keep you on top of everything well, at least as much as possible, because there is a lot going on. I want to kick off the show first and foremost, talking Major League Baseball. We've got the Yankees and the Mets in action tonight. First pitch for the Yankees is in about oh five minutes. First pitch for the Mets is at seven ten. I also have a play in that Minnesota game uh, as well. That uh... oh did that did that did that game already start? No, no, no. Seven oh five. Okay. So we're going to kick off talking some Major League Baseball. We'll get into some NBA as well. Uh, we've got two games tonight, the 76ers and the Heat. That series kicks off at 730. Then later on, we've got the Mavs and the Suns. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a deep dive into that already. We know the Bucs are up 1-0 on the series against the Celtics. Very surprising game there. And uh, and uh, you've got the, the uh, Golden State Warriors that are up on the Grizzlies as well, 1-0. They're back in action on Tuesday. Um, we've got Connor Rogers, who's going to be joining us this hour. He's with Bleacher Report, loves the draft almost as much, if not more than I do. So we'll, uh, we'll spend a lot of time tonight as well, uh, recapping, doing a deep dive into the draft, the Giants, the Jets, as we've heard for the last 24, 48 hours, uh, really uh, a a number of analysts and, uh, those who cover the draft feel that both the Giants and the Jets crushed it. So, uh, also, Mike Gideons is going to join us. He is a scout who created the red-blue-purple system. Uh, and, uh, and he's kind of a, a freelance scout for a lot of NFL teams out there. So I thought it'd be great to have him come on, have, uh, give, him, g- give, give us his opinion in regard to what he thinks, how he thinks uh, the Giants and the Jets did. And, of course, uh, we'll get you ready for the, the late game, the Mavs going up against the Suns. I do like the Mavs tonight and uh, at some point in time in the show, I'll tell you all the reasons why. All right. um, All right. Well, let's first and foremost, let's kick it off with the Yankees. Uh, their first pitch is at seven oh seven. So that's just coming your way in just a few few minutes. Uh, they are in Toronto. Everybody's active and attractive. What does that mean? Everybody's vaxxed. At least uh, that's what we can assume. Uh, can we not? <laughs> um, this Toronto team, uh, they've won five of their last seven. As we know, they've got a killer lineup. But the Blue Jays, they do struggle against two specific pitches. One is a sinker. The other one is a changeup. And guess what? Montgomery on the bump tonight for the Yankees. Uh, that's in his repertoire. And he pitches uh, those two quite good, especially this season. So I do believe the Blue Jays are going to struggle with Montgomery. How long can Montgomery go? Can he go six innings? Hopefully he can. M- meanwhile, for the Blue Jays, um, Stripling is going to be pitching for them he actually pitched quite well against the the Yankees last season, and as we know, Judge typically struggles when he is up there in O Canada. So uh, I like the under here in this matchup with the Yankees in the Blue Jays um, under eight and a half runs. Uh, that's 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 where I'm sitting right now. I also like the under in the first five innings. And one thing that we know, as well as the Blue Jays this season, typically have slow starts. It takes them a minute to get their motor running. It takes them a minute for that lineup to really get heated up. So, uh, so I do like the the Yankees uh, to, uh, to 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 go up at least a run in the first five innings. So we'll see what happens there. Again, first pitch is in just a few minutes. If you can get that in, by all means, hashtag Run Don't Walk to that window, and I will keep you posted on that Yankees Toronto Blue Jays series. Listen. Yankees are crushing it, as we know, right? 16-6, uh, and six, best record in Major League Baseball. They've won nine straight. Who have they played, though? That's what the response you get, right, when you talk to folks who might not be Yankee fans. Okay, it's Cleveland, it's Baltimore, it's Kansas City. They don't get to pick who's on their schedule. Their schedule is decided with Major League Baseball. Now is when they really need to heading into Canada and win this win this series against the Toronto Blue Jays. And let me tell you how huge it is that, you know, that, that you've got a number of the players like Aaron Judge. There was some speculation that he wasn't backed or wasn't boosted or whatever the case may be. But, um, but he's going to be active and attractive tonight. So that's, that's exciting. So I'll keep you up to speed on the Yankees game. And then, of course, we've got the Mets game. First pitch is at 7-10 going up against the Braves. Bassett going up against uh, Max Freed. This is going to be a good one. So uh, both these pitchers really balling out this season. Freed, 13 innings. Um, he's only given up one run, 12 strikeouts, no walks, and only six hits. And as we know, Atlanta, so far this season, their bullpen has been solid. So this is going to be a, a pitching duel tonight between the Atlanta Braves and the Mets. So I'm really excited to see this one as well. As we know, the Mets, uh, they've, uh, they've won all seven of their series, which has been absolutely terrific. They're 7-3 and three at home. They're, they've, been, <laughs> they've been money. They've been hot. Scherzer, you name it, even without Jacob deGrom in this rotation, They've been delivering. And some big news for the Mets. Don't forget today, Major League Baseball teams had to shave their rosters down from 28 to 26. And don't you know it, with deep pockets, uh, Mets ownership said, you know what, Robinson can know. You're only batting 195. You only have one home run on the season, three RBIs. Um, even though we still owe you a good good chunk of money. Some reports out there is that the Mets owe... Uh, Canoe know $39 million. I was reading another report that the Mets owe, owe him a little bit over $20 million. Seattle still owes him close to $4 million. Regardless, it's a lot of money <laughs> for a dude who's only batting 195. But nonetheless, uh, is there somebody, is there another team out there that could pick him up? Possibly the Red Sox. Their right fielders combined are only batting 153. So at one, 195, that would be an upgrade for the Red Sox. Possibly the White Sox, possibly the Dar- the Dodgers, these are three teams that, uh, that that apparently might have some interest in Robinson Cano at 39 years old, has not been producing. so we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know it's just I, I think it really really speaks volumes uh, for Mets fans in regard to there's so many there's so many teams out there in Major League Baseball that either a ownerships not willing to spend, go over the luxury tax, get hit. First and foremost, or number two, they don't even come close to the luxury tax. That's not even it. It's just they have found a way with, you know, all the, all the revenue sharing that they don't necessarily have to go out there and, 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 and win win games. They don't have to be above 500. They could still make a killing. It's more of a business and an investment opportunity for them, Work professional business-wise, And obviously that's not the case here in New York with the Mets, which is really, really just, it just, it just feels different. It just, it's just today the Mets cutting Robinson Cano just makes the whole Mets fan base. In my opinion, it just feels different. It's a different day. It's different ownership. It's a different vibe. And, you know, again, <laughs> uh, a dude making that that much money, not playing and only batting 195, you shake your head. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, at least for this Mets and this Mets organization, uh, it, it's, it's about winning ballgames and it's about possibly winning a World Series this year uh, with the Mets and, and, and how well they've been playing. Hopefully they stay healthy. And uh, once they get to Grom back, wow. Uh, who knows? The sky's the limit. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. One more play I want to give you before we take a break, and uh, and and that's uh, that's Minnesota. You got the Twins going up against the Orioles tonight. The Twins have won nine of ten. Paddock is on the bump. Thirteen strikeouts, only one uh, walk in fourteen innings. He's given up zero. kind of zero home runs on the season. Meanwhile, the Orioles, they've got Wells pitching for them. He's 0-4 with a 5-5-4 ERA. And the Twins, they've got a multitude of of dudes in that lineup that are righties. And uh, that does not bode well for Wells. So if you can still get in on that game, I do like the Twins on the run line for sure. That was my best bet tonight on Daily Wager. So uh, Major League Baseball, again, You've got the Yankees, you've got the Mets. They're going to be active and attractive. I'm going to stay on top of both those games. I'll give you all the information you need throughout the show with you for the next three hours. When we get back, I'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Mets fans, does it feel different? Is it a different day? Is it a different vibe in regard to the Mets' decision to cut Robinson Cano? Today, as opposed to possibly sending some other players down to the minors, no, 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 no. Looked at the roster. I don't care how much money we owe you. It's it's not about the money. It's about the performance, and it, and 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 it's about delivering. And so, it you, you gotta you you gotta feel good about what the Mets did today. 800-919-3776. We get back. We'll talk some NBA with you. 7.30 in just about 15 minutes. The 76ers in the heat. They tip off without Embiid. Dude is dealing with so many injuries. He's got the torn ligament in his thumb. He's got, unfortunately, has the eye injury with Siakam. It's 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 really, it's a sad state of affairs because let's be honest, if Embiid would have been healthy, man, this this series, 76ers with Embiid and Harden and, of course, the heat with Jimmy Butler and uh, and, and that cast of characters, wow. I mean, th- this would have been must-watch must, must watch TV. Not to say I'm not going to watch it, but <laughs> heat, heat are favored by 7.5, and, and I'm laying the points. Uh, this this very well could be a blowout. I, I mean, let's be honest. And then later on tonight, 10 o'clock, you got the Mavs and the Suns. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six, 919 3776 Gentlemen, I, I don't have the caller screen up. You said that we do have quite a few callers, so who are we going to first? Let's go to Mike and Hawthorne. Thank you. Mike, welcome in.
2: Hi, how are you? Uh, I wanted to talk, I'm to. i a Yankee fan. I wanted to talk about Robinson Cano being cut. And I really think the Mets are just being so great business-wise that they are making really good decisions. You know, my dream is to see the Yankees and the Mets in the series. And I want the best Mets team they can possibly have to come up against us. You know, I want it to be a great, great series. And the fact that the Mets are making all these good decisions only increases my joy at that we're going to have a great series. Uh,
1: well, uh, more so than just a great series, but but hopefully a great season is is what I I, I think you were you were you were. Is where you were headed, um, yeah. I mean, listen, I, th- that's why I, I really, when I when I read the news today in regard to what happened with Robinson Cano, I, it's just it feels different. It's a different feeling. It's a different vibe, um, and and it's and it's an organization that you know is is one of the very few. Uh, again, you know, there's so many there's so many Major League Baseball teams that because of the profit sharing, the way that things work out, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to win ball games. You don't necessarily have to have a packed stadium in in order to make money, in major league baseball, there's so many owners that winning isn't the, the end all be all it's how much money this is an investment. Granted, you're talking about millionaires who own these baseball teams. And so just it, it, it's, it's, the, the, just the fact that you've got an organization now. Again, some reports is that the Mets him ninety thirty nine million dollars. There's some other reports out there that I was reading, somewhere a little over twenty million dollars. Regardless, it's still a lot of money. Some other teams, some other Major League Baseball organizations would say, you know what? I, I, like, I, it's just it's too much money. We can't. I'm not going to cut off my nose despite my face, because really, at the end of the day, that's what happens a lot of times general managers owners you know they'll they'll make decisions based on how much money they're pay- they're paying a player and they don't want to look bad to the public and that's not the case at least it's not what i'm feeling i'm sure a lot of mets fans out there you're feeling the same way i am and it's 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 a different vibe it's a good vibe you got to feel good about it you got to like this ownership group you got to like the decisions that they're making so, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Uh, besides some major league baseball in action tonight, uh, we've got some NBA action happening and it's unfortunate what's going on with the 76ers. Like I said before, uh, what a great series this would have been if Embiid would be active and attractive tonight. Unfortunately, he is not and reports are that he's more than likely going to be out for the next two games. Uh, and if he does come back, chances are he's going to have to play with some type of, uh, face mask something in in, in that regard and with, with the heat this is really interesting as well so the heat and the 76ers have played each other four times so far this season and um, every time that they've gone up against one another they haven't there there's been some issue on both sides so you, you've never had a heat 76ers matchup where both teams are totally 100% healthy and active and attractive, as I like to call it. It's, it's either Embiid's out, Harden, it, the, the trade had not gone down yet, or Butler was out, or Hero was out, or Bam was out. Uh, so this series right now in the regular season between these two, the, these two franchises, two and two on the year, but without Embiid, the 76ers are 6-8. and eight. Tonight, it's really all going to be about Maxi and Harden. They're going to have to step up in a big way. Came across a really interesting stat, and that is the bench for the 76ers, the worst in the postseason in scoring. Their bench is only averaging 18 points a game. Meanwhile, the Miami Heat, their bench averaging 35 points a game. Pretty significant. Now, the Heat, they don't have Lowry. Kyle Lowry is out tonight as well. but And not a knock on Kyle Lowry, but, uh, you know, in bead not being on the court for the 76ers, to me, uh, a bigger, bigger issue uh, than, uh, than, than Lowry not being on the court for the Miami Heat. Miami Heat's defense has just been absolutely sick. Uh, they made Trey Young look pedestrian uh, in that first series against Atlanta. Also, the Heat coming in, more rested, I really like the Heat tonight. Uh, also came across another interesting stat in regard to the Heat and their defense. Uh, one of the best defenses, A, in 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 the NBA. Number two, one of the best defenses against the fast break in the NBA, only allowing their opponents to score seven points on fast break opportunities. Meanwhile, that's pretty much the bread and butter for the 76ers. Now, I do believe it's going to be a different vibe. It's going to be a different game because there's not going to be Embiid I do believe the pace of the game is going to be, is going to be faster tonight. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I'm really intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see, you know, what Harden can do here, what Maxi can do, uh, Tobias Harris, how much of a factor is he going to be? Again, I, I do like the Miami heat tonight. Uh, and I, and, and I've already laid the seven and a half as for the Mavs. That game is a little bit later on tonight. 10 o'clock is tip off. Now, The the Mavs have not beaten the Suns in like forever in a day, okay? But yet at the same time, Luka averages about almost 30 points a game in his career whenever he does go up against the Suns. I think the big key and the difference in this matchup uh, heading into this postseason is no KP. Ever since the Mavs have traded KP, this team is a lot better. It's a lot different. And Brunson has stepped up in a big way. He's averaging 28 points a game. Defensively, the Mavs have been absolutely sick. Since since Jason Kidd has taken over, the Mavs defense went from 21st in the NBA to 6th. Heading into the postseason, the Mavs defense was ranked 6th in the NBA, only allowing 109 points a game. And what they do so well, and you saw it in the Jazz series, and that is... You know they they take away that three point shot and they force you to shoot to, to shoot mid like mid range jumpers, but at the same time, they are taking the most three point shots in the NBA and they're nailing them. In fact, Bullock is over forty percent from downtown in the postseason. So, I really like the Mavs tonight again uh that line opened up at five and a half it's It's now sitting at six, and so if you could jump on it, i would I also like Reggie Bullock over two and a half three pointers and eight and over eleven and a half rebounds you know the big the where the Dallas Mavericks are weak is they're playing small ball you know they 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 got rid of k p and so Aiden really is, is going to have his way in the paint. That's why I do like the over 11 and a half rebounds. So uh, so two big NBA games for tonight. Again, uh, that Heat uh, 76ers game, that tip-off is in about two minutes. So I'll keep you posted on that matchup as well. <laughs>
3: I credit Joe and his staff, along with the coaches. You know, everybody put in so much time and effort. Even to last week, we were, we were watching some guys in, in, in my office, Joe and myself, and about eight other people for, you know, it seemed like 12 hours a day. We just watched three guys. You know, we're excited about what we have. Again, a lot of work to do with these guys. There always is when you, when you draft young guys and come into your program. But certainly excited with their talent and then also the type of people that they are.
1: Brian Dable talking about uh, what the Giants were able to do uh, with getting uh, Thibodeau help on that defensive line, as well as Neal being that right tackle. Uh, So now Daniel Jones has those book in tackles with Thomas on the left side, Neal on the right. Uh, Hopefully helping him with better pocket awareness, that's for sure. Hey, I want to remind you, uh, we're excited here at 98.7 ESPN. We have our new ESPN New York app. Get all your favorite 98.7 ESPN radio shows, play-by-play, streaming live. Catch up on what you might have missed with daily recap podcasts from D.P. and Rothenberg, The Michael K. Show, Greeny, Ian, and more. Plus streaming exclusives like Game Misconduct, Caught Offside, Flight Deck, and Breaking Big Blue. It's all new ESPN New York app available now on the App Store and Google Play. So you got an iPhone, you got a Droid, it doesn't matter. You can download on both devices, your city, your teams, your ESPN New York app. Let's head out to the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Leland is joining us from Atlanta. Leland, welcome in. How are you doing this evening?
0: I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Well,
1: welcome. L-
0: listen. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead okay, yes. Hey, listen, I wanted to talk about the draft you guys did this year. I think the Giants had one of the better drafts this year by by addressing needs. And being a guy that's down here in the southeast and ACC country and everything else, you probably drafted four starters with the first four picks that they got out there. And when you guys see Dale Robinson, what this kid was able to do at Kentucky with 104 catches for 1,400 yards this year coming from Nebraska – this kid is another Debo Samuel that the Giants are going to be able to have. That's going to give Jones another weapon to be able to utilize uh, on short yardage situations. That kid is tough as nails. I've seen him get hit by Alabama and Auburn linebackers like nothing else. He's a tough. He's tough as nails. The offensive lineman out of uh, North Carolina is going to be a great guard for you guys if he moves inside. And then. The best pick I think they did. They actually didn't draft the undrafted free agent Yusuf Corker, the safety, uh, all three-time All SEC kid out of Kentucky. Uh, this kid was a starter 37 straight games in uh, at Kentucky, and I mean he's got a master's degree. He walked out with his master's degree in economics. He's married with two kids. He's grounded. This is a kid that's going to come in and day one is going to work his butt off to make that that roster. And I think he's going to end up making that team in that 53-man roster.
1: You know, you, you make a really – an excellent point. I don't think people realize, um, you know, when the draft is over on Saturday, it, it really does not end there, right? Like, um, immediately uh, teams regroup. They go they, – they start making calls uh, to a number of agents and in, in trying to work out deals and sign guys that were not drafted. And That's exactly
0: – yeah, that's exactly right. And listen, one of the things that was the funniest thing to me was the Giants needed safety help, and they go out and draft the kid Belton from Iowa, which you know these guys played each other head to head in the Citrus Bowl this year. Um, and you know, watch and see what Corky Cork get for, for Kentucky this year uh, on that sack of the quarterback at the end of the game, spinning him around to throw that interception. And that's why I said you you uh, the Giants came into this draft with only two safeties on the roster. Now, I think you've got two kids that actually are both exceptional enough, one an undrafted free agent, and the other one you drafted in the North fifth or sixth round that's going to probably make this team.
1: Just just out of curiosity, again, you're calling in from Atlanta. Um, are, are you a Falcons fan at all? Do you follow the Falcons?
0: <laughs> I follow the Falcons a lot. Yes, I do. Uh, and it's just horrible draft to me, I think, this year. I, I think... You go in last year, you draft Kyle Pitts with the number four pick in the draft. Then you come back this year and draft and trade trade Matt Ryan for nothing for a third round draft pick, and then you go out and draft a, at number eight. You draft a first a first round wide receiver in uh, in Drake London, who yeah, wasn't I even the understand. best wide receiver. Yeah, who wasn't yeah, even I the best wide receiver that, in the draft.
1: That's why I, I wanted to. I I don't get it. I, you know, to me, Garrett Wilson was the best wide receiver in this draft, and and, and a big reason why. Um, you could utilize him anywhere he could play the X the y the z you could create so many mismatches speaking to a number of scouts um you know the comparison was Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota vikings I exactly. just I, I I don't I don't get it like i, I don't exactly. you know God listen God, God bless the jets he fell to them at 10. I mean exactly. you know yeah you, you had to take him but I just don't understand why Atlanta went with Drake London what what's what, what the organization saying?
0: When you've got Jermaine Johnson on the on the on the board still, you've got offensive linemen still that you need on the board. You got the the center uh, Linderbaum from uh, Iowa on the board. When you lost Alex Mack last year, the, one of the best centers in the game, you've lost all this. You've got nobody to throw to a unicorn in Kyle Pitts to a wide receiver uh, in in Drake London, who I think is is just he's big but he's slow, uh, n- not able to get separation. And you got Marcus Mariota throwing them, him and Felipe Frank throwing the football to him. So, I mean, it's just a horrible situation uh, here in Atlanta. And I, I mean, listening to radio here is just rough. And to go back one more thing the Jets, I think the Jets had the best draft of anybody this year. Uh, I, I love what Solomon did with that team. This is going to be a, a game changer. Uh, l- listen, and, and let me use this as an example. And I know I'm, I'm harping on these Kentucky guys. Look what Brandon Eccles was able to do before he got hurt for the Jets and come in and start as a six round draft pick. This kid came in and started same thing I'm talking about with one and, and, and Corker. Those, these guys are going to be exceptional athletes for these teams. Uh, and I'm excited to see what the Jets and the Giants are able to do this year.
1: Leland, thank you for the phone call. Great conversation. Uh, appreciate it. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 3776 So, so, Just just to get everybody in the know, uh, the Atlanta Falcons were at 8. They took Drake London. Huge surprise for me. Again, I thought Garrett Wilson was the best wide receiver in this draft. I think Garrett Wilson was the best pick uh, for the Jets. Love that dude. And the fact that he fell to them at 10 and Atlanta passed up on him at 8 was just very perplexing. Uh, There was one player that the Atlanta Falcons did draft that I thought was going to go to the Patriots and that's Troy Anderson. He's a linebacker from Montana State. Uh started playing football as a quarterback, then uh, became a tight end and then eventually went to the defensive side of the ball and became a linebacker. He's probably arguably one of the most athletic players in this draft and uh and just a complete beast of uh of an athlete. And I I really he's in and, and he just screams Bill Belichick. He just screams Patriots. I thought for sure the Patriots were going to take him, but Atlanta took him in uh, in the second round, and I really, really do love that pick. He was one of my favorite players in this draft, and of course they took Desmond Ritter, uh, quarterback from Cincinnati. A lot of people expected him to go uh, sooner, possibly somewhere in the bottom of the first, maybe in the second, but he didn't go until the third. But uh, Marcus Mariota will, as of right now, is their starting quarterback. Not sure if they're going to open up to competition. I don't believe Ritter would be, um, be ready. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Anthony in Hawthorne. Anthony, welcome in. How you doing? Good evening.
2: Hey, Anita. How you doing? Great. Uh, I just wanted to kind of make a point, uh, if you could just give me a minute, and then I really wanted to get your take on it. So I'm mm-hmm. a Ravens fan. I think they drafted. I think the draft was awesome for them. I think they did a great job. Um, But I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for the past two years to not draft a wide receiver for them to go out and actually get one in free agency, like a Mm big-time number one wide receiver to see Lamar Jackson kind of take that next step. You have all these other teams, the Jets, um, the bank, you know what I mean, all these teams going out to get their young quarterback, a guy to throw the ball to, to see if they're actually their quarterback. And you have a guy who's proven in Baltimore, and I just feel like they can't go out and get him a weapon. So my pretty much my question is, do you see them doing anything else before the season starts? Does Eric DeCosta have a plan? Because I have no idea who he's throwing the ball to outside of Mark Andrews. I know they have a couple wide receivers, but they don't actually have a guy, in my opinion, that can take him to that next step because he also has a contract coming up and it's not it's gonna be a big contract. So and then my other thing was at, with the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing kind of happening today, I wonder if they actually knew, uh, if the Cardinals knew that this was going to happen because of them, uh, you know, trading for Marquise Brown. Oh, but of course just they did. I wanted to get yeah. your point, your take on everything, and thanks for taking my yeah. call.
1: You got it. Thank you. Eight hundred nine one nine right, in looking at the Baltimore Ravens depth chart, you know, of course you've got Lamar Jackson. Really, the thing about... About the way the Ravens play offense is um you know it's an it's an option read offense, so what they have at the running back position that's more important in regard to the style of offense that they play, right with Dobbins and Edwards, and we haven't even seen what Justice Hill can do yet. I'm a big fan of Justin Hill. I can't wait until he comes to in into his own and we can see how he can help this offense in regards to wide receivers. You're absolutely right. Like Rashad Bateman. Okay. No bells and whistles. Duvernay, no bells and whistles. You know, Mark Andrews to me talking about fantasy football. We had Connor Rogers on just a second ago, man. uh, If, if, if this is going to be, if this is going to be the receiving core, boy, uh, draft Mark Andrews in the first round, he's going to get a ton of targets this coming season. Um, But so, so you know, what What are the Ravens going to do? Listen, there's some talk and speculation that, that the Seattle Seahawks are looking to trade DK Metcalf. Obviously, uh, you know, there's some talk and speculation that the Giants are, are looking to deal Kadarius Toney. Uh, there's some talk and speculation about Debo Samuel. Will these, will these players be moved? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, you know, can an organization mend fences and work whatever issues are out with these guys? Possibly, likely, who knows? But at the end of the day, for the Baltimore Ravens, really, it's it, their 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 makeup, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is is running the football, and now they've got arguably top five offensive line in in the NFL. Um, they drafted the center Linderbaum, and. Uh, and they're just, their, their backfield is, is sick. So, and you got Lamar Jackson with such immense athleticism and talent. He can be, he can buy some more time back there allowing these wide receivers. And let's just be fair. Let's just say they're all like, you know, wide receiver, two wide receiver threes get open. And, and then if Mark Andrews can stay healthy, uh, that's pretty solid. But, at the same time, if I'm, if I'm a Ravens fan like you, I'm looking at this roster and I'm looking at this wide receiving core and I'm saying, yeah, you know what? We need some help. Uh, we, we definitely need to, to, to add some firepower to this. Maybe a DK Metcalf. Um, man, Kadarius Tony in this offense would be sick. Kadarius Tony in this offense would be quite frightening. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Jeff in Lake Grove. Jeff, welcome in. Good evening.
2: Hey, what's going on? I have a question for
3: you. So I love mm-hmm. the picks in the draft by the Jets, right? I've been a Jets fan my whole life, watching them make terrible picks in the draft over all the years I've been watching them. And now this is the finally the year that I can say that I have high hopes for
0: what they're going to do with the guys they drafted. Granted, we got to see what they should do when they transition from
3: college to you know the pros, but I like a lot of the picks. Now my question for you is, they got some help in the secondary. They got the wide receiver they wanted. They got all these dudes. What else, like, what other holes do you think the Jets need to fill? That being said, after this whole draft is all said and done. Even considering the, you know, obviously the um, free agent signings during the offseason as well.
1: Yeah, I, it's a great question. Um, you know, what? Let, let's start piece by piece. And thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. Um, you know, obviously, Zach Wilson. Is that the quarterback of the future? Everything we hear from Joe Joe D is they're sold, they're in a hundred percent. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> um, you know this 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 coming season is going to be really really telling for Zach Wilson. Um, you know he has to overcome the fact that he's short and he's little, and uh, you know uh, can he stay healthy uh, with that frame that he plays in? there there's there's some big question marks there you know the, his biggest knock coming into the season is that uh he doesn't throw wide receiver op- wide receivers open he throws to wide receivers once they are open and that doesn't translate well in the NFL what the, what that equates to is a lot of interceptions so uh, this this really is going to be a, a very interesting that I think a tell all season or at least a feel all season of what Jets fans really have in Zach Wilson, and, and, and is he truly the quarterback of the future for this Jets organization? In the running back position, man, you gotta like—not just like, but you gotta love—the fact bringing in Brees Hall, aligning him with Michael Carter. Michael Carter was one of my favorite running backs coming out of last year's draft. Um, and, and granted, we really didn't see him explode or, or do a lot last year. A lot of that had to was was because of a lackluster offensive line and. Uh, struggling Zach Wilson, not really keeping defenses honest with a, with a passing attack, so that was unfortunate. But man, uh, the depth that now they have at, at at the running back position, especially with Coleman and, and Ty Johnson, you gotta love that. Gotta love the wide receiving core here. Elijah Moore, man, he 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 was dealing with some injuries last year. He can stay healthy along with Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis. Are you ca- kidding me with Barrios? I'm just, I'm I'm looking at the depth chart here. That's really solid. Tight end, Uzoma, Conklin, and then they, now they go out, they bring in, they draft a, a young rookie, uh, tight end, who just grew up dreaming of of being a Jet, and finally he is. So think about the heart and the passion that he's going to come to work with each and every day with Jeremy Ruckert, and he can block. He can go out for passes as well. Don't take that for granted. There's a lot of tight ends in the NFL these days that do not do both, unfortunately. I I think the big question mark on the offensive line is going to be Becton. Does he come in um, in good shape? Can he stay healthy? Can he man down that right side of the line with Fant being on the left? That's really... I love Elijah Vera Tucker, by the way. That was one of my favorite draft picks last year for the Jets. So offensive line... Um, I think they have the potential to be top 15 in the NFL, but I think a lot of it comes down to Beckton. And does he come in? Is he committed? Is he healthy? Is he lean? Is he mean? Or does he come in and he's overweight and out of shape? To me, that is the story of, this, of the offensive side of the ball for, for the Jets. Um, defensively, man, Lawson, Rankins, Williams, uh, they've got a solid defensive line. Uh, gotta be excited about what CJ Mosley can do this 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 season, and they go out and they they get um, Sauce Gardner uh, to help bolster that secondary. Um, linebacking position is is solid as well in regards to what they've been able to do in in, in the draft as well. I just I, Jets did extremely well, extremely well. But with that being said, they're playing in a really competitive division. You know how quickly can uh, this this influx of Immense new talent help win ball games. Um, I think it's unrealistic to say, oh, you know, Jets are going to come in and uh, win ten games this season and uh, compete in this division and, and 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 make it into the postseason. Hey, I'm not saying they can't, but I, I just I don't I don't think that's a realistic expectation. I think a fair expectation would be, hey, this team finishes at 500, if not maybe a, a game above that. I think that's a fair expectation for this team and this organization. Uh, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mike Gideon joins us here. Uh, he is the creator inventor of the red, purple, blue system. A number of teams in the NFL um, call upon his services, even outside of their own scouting department. So uh, we're, we're blessed to have you on our airwaves tonight. Mike, how you doing? Welcome in.
3: Doing good, Anita. How are you?
1: I'm I'm great. I'm great. Let's dive right into it. Jets and Giants fans, they want to hear from you. Uh what kind of grade you would give this Jets organization uh based on who they drafted? Um uh, rave rave reviews uh, so far.
3: I, I, <laughs> um I actually give them uh I think a top 10 draft. I thought they did really well.
1: Uh what what for me, Garrett Wilson, the fact that uh he did not go to Atlanta at eight and Atlanta went with a different wide receiver than Garrett Wilson. I felt Garrett Wilson was the best wide receiver in this draft Uh, to me was, was the most exciting pick. Uh, Who's, who's your favorite pick for this Jets organization and why?
3: Well, I I would agree with you on Wilson and the reason that I liked Wilson of, of say all the receiver group was, I thought he was the most versatile. And, And what I mean by versatile is, he can multi align, uh, whether he can align outside, he can line up in the slot, uh, you know, he can run the jet sweeps. So, with that, you can create matchups for him. He's not a one dimensional, say, wide out, uh, where I would say Alave is a little bit more one dimensional outside vertical, where Garrett Wilson uh, got a little bit of Devontae Adams in him that you can. Line them up in different situations, motion, and create matchup headaches. and And I think he's just a, a very versatile, well-polished uh, receiver. And then the second pick I really liked was was them getting the uh, halfback out of Iowa State Hall uh, in the uh, in the second round. And it it's a skill position league. Um, yes, you need the men up front on the offensive line, but if you throw in the quarterback a year prior with Wilson, the receiver, um, and now the halfback, um, I just think that they, they've upgraded their weapons on offense, um, that, that, that they'll have to be reckoned with. And the defensive picks, uh, with, with sauce Gardner, um, and, and and what they did in free agency, uh, you know, when when Joe Douglas got hired, they, he said, hey, we're going to do it the right way and 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 build along. And uh, he, true to his word, I think they have.
1: Uh, in regard to Sauce Gardner, a uh, lot of comparison to uh, Richard Sherman, of course, who Sala coached at uh, in, in San Francisco with the 49ers. Uh, do you see a lot of comparison there with him as well?
3: Yeah, obviously you start with, with his length. Um, so he's got the height that that Sherman did. Uh, I think he's got the football intelligence, intelligence diagnosed. And then the other thing I really like, like Sherman, because remember Sherman was a, re, a receiver in high school, is Gardner showed really good ball skills. And you're always looking for corners who become the receiver when the ball's in the air. And, and, and with Gardner, um, you, you saw that. And with his length, you saw him tracking and being able to go and get the ball. And, and, and like Sherman, and then I think he's a, a step faster than Sherman. Um, so I think that's kind of exciting. And he fits, you know, he's a scheme fit. I thought they did a good job of adding players to the Jets who fit what they want to do.
1: If you can again, Mike Gideon, joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. If you can explain to the listeners out there your system in regard to red, uh, purple, blue, um, and and how many players did the Jets draft that are at the top of your system? So I
3: go, it goes blue, red, purple are the top three. Blue are the dominant uh, players. Blues make blue plays are the difference in in close games. Red are, are, are solid starters, and I think with their first three picks, uh, they got possible blues. And, you know, the goal is to always have 10 or more blue players on your team. My little playoff guarantee is have 10 or more blue players and fill six of your top eight needs, and you're competing for the playoffs. And the Jets have been slowly building and getting more blues and, and players who fit. And if the quarterback takes a big leap in his in his second year, um, I, I think the Jets Jets can compete in the AFC East.
1: All right, let's take a look at what's going on with the Giants. Uh, they had the fifth in the seventh pick. Um, Thibodeau still sitting there at five. They took him, and with all three offensive linemen still on the board, uh, when they did draft five, they knew. Carolina was going to take one they'd have the pick of two and they went kneel over cross because the Panthers did take Iquanu your thoughts on let's let's start with Thibodeau first and foremost um uh, you know where where does he rank in regards to the defensive lineman in this draft
3: I had him a little he he's very he's physically gifted my concerns uh is if he's a little bit Oh, like Vernon Golson, does he have that key edge, passion, uh extra gear, extra ethic to be great, uh, game in and game out. And and that that would have been one of my concerns and is is his skill set worthy of a top pick? Yeah. And that would be the one thing and I'm sure it was discussed is does he have the, that, that, that needed passion to be great. Um, and, and off tape, you didn't always see it. And when I was watching the tape, um, I, you know, Vernon Golson who the Jets took way back when out of Ohio state was popping into my head. And oh. I, I, I wasn't, I, 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 I just had, like, an internal instinct red flag of, of I didn't see him do it play after play and or on key third downs um, in, in all games I viewed. So that, that was my concern with him. I thought what they did, it was a, a safe pick, I mean, a safe draft of, of, of building. As we know, it's, it's all about the quarterback um and and does he develop into a, a you know solid top 10 uh, starting quarterback? Or, um, you know, do they they, they view this year and, and and go in a different direction in 23? And what's interesting is is if they tried to trade um, a pick to try to get to, uh, one next year to have two because at the current time, you got Philadelphia, Cleveland, or not Cleveland, Houston, and Seattle as the only teams with multiple number ones next year. And you could say all three of those teams may be trying to get a quarterback. And it would have been interesting if the Giants tried to get an extra one for, for next year or not. Um, and maybe there were no takers. Um, but there are only three teams with with you know two number ones next year. And the, and the Giants aren't and they could be in the, the hunt for a quarterback.
1: Oh, well, still don't know what's going to happen in regards to Gadarius Toney as well as James Bradbury. We'll see what happens there. Maybe they can acquire a one uh, with either one of those players. But just out of curiosity, Mike, um, if, if you were the general manager of the Giants and you're sitting there at five, would you have taken Iquanu over Thibodeau?
3: I would have, I would have uh, knowing that I've got the seventh also, I would have taken uh, either the best pass rusher that I thought was on the board um, or the best skill guy on on offense. Um, I would have, me personally, I would have strongly considered Garrett Wilson.
1: At five. Mm-hmm. Um so so then now, of course, as we know what happened, the Panthers, they took Iquanu and prior to the draft, there was there was a lot of talk and speculation that the Giants were favoring Cross. It's not what happened. They went kneel, uh, some talk they were really happy with what they saw from Andrew Thomas uh towards the end of last year. He he obviously is is that fit at the left tackle and will be hopefully for the next decade for them. So um you know, Neal more of a legit right tackle more so than Cross. Do you feel that that was a reason why they went with Neal over Cross?
3: It, I, it could have been, and it's and Neal obviously played right tackle at, at, uh, also, and and that would be a factor. You 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 don't want to project a guy to a new position uh, without having seen it on tape. And so being able to see him uh, play right tackle, um, yeah, they probably had more of a comfort. You know, uh, and with his size, and if they go size on the right side, uh, you know, uh, blue feet on the left side, which a lot of teams do, um, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, what they did, um, the Giants kind of made sense. It'll be interesting, though, did they do the safe picks at are reds or do they become blue? And with five and seven, you know, you're hoping that they become blue. Uh, My question is, uh, did they draft good reds and top ten picks need to be blues?
1: Mike Gideon joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, with that being said, looking big picture, a lot of folks feel that the Ravens, the Eagles, Atlanta, Detroit, just a few other teams that, uh, that crushed the draft. When you look at, at all 32, who do you feel hands down had the best draft and why? Okay. Uh,
3: I would be the disagreeer on Baltimore um, and Atlanta Uh so I'll put that out there and stick my neck out. Uh, I'll give you one uh, that'll be interesting is, is is the Packers. And, you know, they took defense with their two D1s um, who are impact players. And if that North Dakota State wide receiver uh, who the analytic people say had the best numbers at wide receiver in the last 20 years behind Calvin Johnson, and going to Aaron Rodgers, that 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 would make the Packers, say, crush, crush the draft. If that receiver develops, I think the two defensive players are really good. And then the other team that I thought did well in the draft, uh, I'm going to put it out there, I thought the Jaguars did a good job in the draft.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I really like Christian Watson. Uh Really excited to see what he can do, especially with with Aaron Rodgers um, there in, in in Green Bay. Um, any final thoughts before we let you go? You know, so so, uh, you know what what now for teams? You know, they're they're at the facility right now trying to sign a lot of players that did not get drafted. Right, those those undrafted players we saw here in New York. Victor Cruz. I think sometimes we forget here. Victor Cruz was undrafted, uh, but had a, a a great career, won a Super Bowl here with the Giants in um, Any undrafted players you feel can, could make a name for themselves this coming season?
3: You know, I haven't studied it. Usually what it is is the, you know, how Coach Parcells used to do it is they were they would always be looking for the physical trait that stood out, and it would be the physical trait that was blue, whether it was speed or strength or size or some other physical trait that that maybe he was a non-fit on his college team, uh, but that would be what what you look in your undrafted free agents. And what's interesting, besides first-round draft picks, there are more college free agents who are blue or red than any other draft round. So it is a valuable uh, uh, way to acquire players, and the good teams look for players who who fit their scheme and the recipe and what they're looking for and can detail traits of of what they're looking for, whether it's, you know, speed or receiver or or, or size in the o line, so on and so forth, the more detailed you can be and identify those traits are the college free agents that have a good chance of making it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's 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 not over yet, as I've been telling a lot of our listeners here, of course, and uh and through Sunday it's, and it's, into it's, today.
2: It's,
3: yeah, it it's never over. Um it's 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 interesting that I think you still see even action from, from June till the end of the trade, deadline in October. Uh teams in the past, teams that have won the Super Bowl. Uh, you look back historically, and, and those teams sometimes make two or three moves from now till the end of October.
1: Hey, last one for you before I let you go. We're sitting here talking about potential trades again until the trade deadline does roll around. And you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with Kadarius Tony. I had Jim Nagy on my show over the weekend, and, and he had made a comment about you know uh, Kadarius Tony getting his head on straight. Um, you know, there's some talk and speculation, not that the giants are out there shopping him, but if somebody called and made a, an offer, they couldn't refuse, they'd consider trading him, uh, kind of go back, uh, last year and, and your thoughts on Kadarius Tony and, and how explosive, uh, and how phenomenal he could be, you, you know, if, if you're the giants organization, are you trying to do everything you can to keep him in house, Mike?
3: I, I would for another year. I, I would but, – but, you know, with, 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 with new coaches, you know, sometimes they decide not to. I mean, you saw it with, uh, you know, C.J. Henderson, who was a top ten pick for the Jaguars, get traded uh, to Carolina in September, uh, you know, because, you know what, you know, he, he, he wasn't fitting the scheme. And, you know, from, from, from where Dayball came from, uh with, with, with a Belichick and a Nick Saban background, um he, he, they may say, Hey, uh if it's not the right fit, cut bait early. Um is the kid talented? Absolutely. Um but but this is the NFL and as you know this is a big boys game and and you're a professional and and um no matter where you get drafted or what physically gifted you are it's it's the nfl is a marathon not a sprint and and you need everyone to be able to run that marathon and and some guys aren't cut out to to, to be nfl professionals
1: great stuff as always mike thank you so much for spending some time with us breaking down both the giants and the dread and 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 the jets uh trades uh who they were able to acquire and uh and and giving us some more insight appreciate you my friend have a great night Thank you. You got it. Uh, Again, really, really well-respected scout in the NFL. Teams have their own scouting department, but at least 20 of them uh, still hire Mike to come in to share his system and compare his system with their scouting department. So uh, pretty, pretty great stuff right there. Uh, to, to digest and marinate in 800-919-3776 we come back I'll bring you up to speed on what's going on uh, with the uh, in the NBA with the 76ers and the Heat I can tell you this at halftime 76ers were up by one that's right feisty team no Embiid it doesn't matter man they are still Harden came to play tonight and also uh, I'll bring you up to speed on what's going on with the Mets as well as the Yankees when we get back <laughs> want to let you know really excited what's going on here we have an all-new espn new york app that's right get all your favorite 98.7 espn radio shows and play-by-play streaming live catch up on what you might have missed with the daily recap podcast from dpatro rothenberg the michael k show greenie enn and a lot more plus streaming exclusives like Game Misconduct, Caught Offside, Flight Deck, and Breaking Big Blue. It's the all-new ESPN New York app available now on the App Store and Google Play. Your city, your teams, your ESPN New York app. So make sure whether you've got an iPhone or an Android, whatever the case, uh, make sure you download that as soon as possible. Um so the heat still up by nine right now with about a minute left in the third 79 to 70 and some other news in and around the NFL outside of the draft. So, and, and this just broke the NFL said Monday that an independent review found quote unquote, no evidence to, uh, to the allegations made by former Cleveland Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson, that the team intentionally lost games in the 2016, 2017 season. If you recall, um, when, when Brian Flores, uh, came out and made the allegations that, uh, that the Miami Dolphins ownership, uh, was forcing him to tank games because, uh, they wanted to quote unquote tank for Tua, uh, now of course fired by the Miami Dolphins. And now he has fired a lawsuit. Uh, there's a number of other coaches in the NFL that now are a part of this lawsuit and uh, Hugh Jackson was one of them. So Jackson was fired by the Browns' uh, ownership, D and, and Jimmy Haslam, um, eight games into the 2018 season uh, because he went 3-36-1 overall in uh, in a little over two years. But in February, Jackson indicated in a series of posts on social media and also uh, he did a few interviews that, that the team, Cleveland Browns, he, he said, uh, paid him bonuses and incentives for him to lose. So therefore he was set up to fail. Uh, So the NFL announced that after a 60 day review, independent investigators uh, led by the Securities and Exchange Commission, chair of Mary Jo White determined that none of the allegations could be substantiated. Now, also the league said that Jackson initially agreed to meet with the investigators, but ultimately did not which is interesting. Investigators, however, did have access to the public statements and filings, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the NFL also said that Jimmy Haslam has interviewed, was interviewed, and, uh, and there were others as well that were interviewed. And the Browns also provided documents to help investigators. So um, so Jackson right now is, is, is a head coach of, of Grambling State. So that's pretty interesting. And I share that story with you as well, because as of right now, and 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 here's where the conflict of interest is, and, and this is really going to escalate. First of all, this isn't going away. This is this is this. Talk about something that's a marathon and not a sprint. Uh, this case is going to be a marathon, and it's it's going to be front and center, uh, probably for the next year or so. But here's what's interesting: um, the NFL wants Roger Goodell to be the arbitrator in this case. So apparently, Flores's attorneys are arguing. Um, that it, it, it is a conflict of interest. Keep in mind, Roger Goodell works for the owners. Uh, he's made over $120 million in the last two years from the owners. And so now you've got a minority coach suing an owner, and you're going to have an individual who's going to act as the arbitrator in this um, lawsuit who works for the owner, Of the dolphins, in essence, (laughs) I mean it's just, it's, it's bizarre. It's it's absolutely bizarre. I I I don't. It's 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 just, it's wild. Uh, The NFL has to be uh, one of one of the most powerful organizations in the world. Um, Let's be honest and um there's just there's so much that has happened in and around the NFL the last year, two years, three years, you know, exactly. Uh, for example, what's going on with Washington, right? Um you know, there there's there's some some allegations in regard to some something that's taken place with um Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Um there's there's just it just seems like whenever there is uh something uh, negative pertaining to a team in in the NFL the, the facts are never shared um the way the way that it that it is handled um is 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 private secret swept under the rug it's just it's it's beyond uh I I'm like obviously I'm in a loss for words because it's it's just bizarre. It's 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 an organization that polices itself, and so whatever it doesn't want out there won't be exposed. And um, and I, I just when, when you look around, when you look around, other other corporations, because really that's it's it's what the NFL is, right? Like they're an entity, they're a corporation, they are the shield. I, I, what 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 other company what other organization has uh that much power to conceal any type of negative information that potentially could be leaked out to the public now you know every now and then does stuff get 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 leaked yeah i, I mean even like nobody's even talking about like you know what happened with the whole john gruden situation uh with the raiders we've seemed to uh, forgotten about that situation that took place less than a year ago. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's just wild to me. Um, but yet the NFL is, 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 is King. Um, it's the most watched sport. It's the most wagered on sport. Um, it makes the most money in regard to TV revenue. And it's got the most viewers But yet at the same time, it is, it is hands down the most corrupt, (laughs) the absolute most corrupt. But we love the sport so much that we, and and I'm including myself in here, right? I'm including myself. Um, We as sports fans, uh, we turned, we turn a blind eye. You know, we, we do most, most of the time. You know whether it's uh, whether it's a, a, a professional football player who um, is accused of uh, you know um, sexual assault or battery of, of a woman, whatever the case may be, um, and then you know suspended for four or six games, uh, but then gets signed by another team, is paid a, a, a gazillion dollars, and uh, and we don't we don't talk about it anymore. Maybe you don't buy the jersey. You know, maybe you wouldn't want your daughter dating him, (laughs) but, um, but we're still taking it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievably powerful, the sport itself. And it's, it's unbelievable just how corrupt uh, the NFL is. It's, it's wild and, and stay, you got to stay on top. This is, this is, to me, this is going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds. So just marinating that for a minute. You've got you got Flores, a minority coach who has filed a lawsuit against the NFL and against the ownership of the Miami Dolphins for improper termination um, you know, all the things in, in regard to, you know, how minorities are not treated properly in the NFL, specifically with the hiring process, all of that. But yet now you're going to have Roger Goodell who works for the owners, be the arbitrator and, and the courts are going to allow this. I'm just, I, I'm at a, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss.